0: The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy.
1: Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I fix problems. I don't make them. More often than not, the basic problem a consultant is called in to help with is not the operational problem articulated in a corporation's request for consulting services quotations or the key deliverable promised in the signed services contract. Nope, Usually the documented problem is just a symptom of a more serious underlying issue, people. Sometimes it's a clash of egos. Sometimes it's a more serious philosophic disagreement concerning the future direction of the company. Sometimes it's a clash between siblings who know that when dad or mom retires, only one of them will get to be the next CEO. Sometimes it's a clash between middle managers about who will climb the ladder toward the cloistered ranks of senior leadership, what folks in my line of work call mahogany row. Often it's a combination of one or more or even all of these things. And as a consultant, my job is to use the identified symptoms in the service contract to help the client's project team to get to, to see, and to be willing to engage, and if we're really, really lucky, to be able to solve the underlying human issue. The same dynamic is playing out across the country in state legislatures, and in the Congress of the United States on subjects that appear as diverse as voting rights, physical infrastructure, the social safety net, climate change, global competitive, national security, and so forth. And while these issues are diverse, they are also all intertwined on a practical level and on the more overarching philosophical level. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Think of that preamble to the Constitution of the United States as the national vision, the national vision mission statement. A more perfect union remains the elusive goal of our society and our government. The six goals enumerated are the tasks that must be accomplished to reach that national vision. As in all endeavors, the vision represents the final objective to be reached when all the tasks are complete. It's the point established by which your planned tasks are deemed finished and the society in this case would be finished. Over nearly 250 years, we, the people, have made great strides toward that sought-after perfect union, but we are not there yet. We're not even close. One of the concerns of the founding representatives from all of the 13 original colonies slash states was to keep the large states from running roughshod over the little states. And 250 years later, it is no different. Thus, they came up with a series of checks and balances drawn from what they already knew in the separate state legislative organizations, which ensured equal representation for all voters under the law it allowed for the direct election by voters of members of the House of Representatives based on population, and the indirect election of senators to protect the average citizen from demagogues and potentates. And there were governors intended to run herd on both types of legislature. And the same is true of the presidency or the executive branch of our national government. All of this was done for the same reason it works today. And that's to reassure the small states that their vote would not be expropriated by the large states, that a set of checks and balances emulated by the various, the 13 states soon, you know, now the 50 states have in their individual constitutions and their individual legislative designs. And yet, through our history, prior to the Civil War, through the Civil War, throughout Reconstruction, the Chinese Exclusion Act, the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments, exclusion from citizenship of indigenous people, through a century of Jim Crow laws and even on to today, The same underlying strains and stresses hide just beneath the surface of our social compact. And sometimes they break through. And they're driven by the same human dynamic. That pursuit of power, whether it's individual or for a class of people. That sense of there's of hierarchy, if you like. But while the battles that infect corporations are mostly fought behind closed doors, the battle for a more perfect union is fought in public by ego driven perpetrators more interested in their own job security and growing power base than the well being of the nation as a whole. And they are aided and abetted by an all too large and too willing and too well-financed media complex. And by that, I mean television, print, web, web-based web applications and the like. And even within that media complex, there are silos and segments. So take television for an example, take cable television for an example, or even broadcast television. Each network is so beholden to their own editorial policy and the pursuit of ratings that objective truth and objective analysis no longer exist. And they are so deeply invested in these ratings drivers that these networks don't even see the laughable contradictions in their own positions. The current standoff over voting rights in Texas is an example, as is the oft-repeated demand for filibuster reform in the United States Senate and the just opposed to the accolades and applause for the Texas Democrats who have now defied the state's mean-spirited governor twice. A filibuster, whether a legislative ploy or a stunt committed on the Senate, U.S. Senate floor, has the same result as the Texas Democrats fleeing Austin for Washington, D.C. In neither case can the legislation they oppose move forward no matter how egregious the texas or georgia or arizona state legislation is in the face of the 2020 election the most secure election in our history the methods used to oppose passage of the state bill in texas and the and the passage of hr1 or hr3 in the united states senate well you know what in fact they're really the same technique Well, and finally today, Senator Lindsey Graham mused that a Senate GOP walkout would prevent Chuck Schumer from his devious plan to scuttle the bipartisan infrastructure plan by demanding a premature vote on the bill this Wednesday on negotiations between Senate Democrats, Senate Republicans, and the White House on pay-fors continue. I thought nobody in the Senate had had looked in the mirror in order to understand how ridiculous and contradictory their position was, positions were vis-a-vis the Texas walkout and the filibuster. But apparently Lindsey Graham, in a rare moment of introspection, got it. So the bipartisan infrastructure bill is essential. It's essential both because our roads, bridges, power grids, et cetera, are in disrepair and our economy is in need of the blue-collar jobs, the millions of blue-collar jobs that this initiative will create. But more importantly, it's an opportunity to demonstrate that Republicans and Democrats can work together to solve vexing national problems. It is the easiest place to start to rebuild the muscle memory of, yes, we can, and compromise as a mother's milk of legislation, both of which we seem to have lost track of in the last decade. And you know what else? Learning that muscle memory or beginning to just rebuild a little tiny bit of that muscle memory might benefit the sizing and the scoping Of the proposed social safety net expansion which Democrats wish to put through um, on a party line vote. Personally, I am on this rare occasion grateful to Senator Graham for calling attention to the ripe hypocrisy of his colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Perhaps he has been pointed to a way to slow down the legislative vehicle Majority Leader Schumer would like to run off the cliff, and that vehicle is the bipartisan infrastructure plan. Schumer would like to run that off the cliff as surely as he suggested that Paul Ryan might try to do the same thing with your granny in 2018 during the midterm elections which leads me to three questions. Since when does an evenly divided Senate, 50 Democrats versus 50 Republicans constitute a mandate for a greater than doubling of the nation's social safety net? Second, do Senate Republicans view their oath to the constitution of the United States subordinate to their oath of allegiance To the disgraceful and disgraced former President Trump? What about their duty to faithfully represent all the people of their state and this nation? And if not, if they don't feel their oath is subordinate to their allegiance, why are they so unwilling to demonstrate their allegiance to the Constitution by passing the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act. Now, I totally believe that H.R. 1 is a bad piece of legislation and it shouldn't pass, but the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act enhanced by two Supreme Court decisions applying equally to all 50 states Well, the last time the John L. Lewis Voting Rights Act was renewed, it passed 98 to 2 during the the George W. Bush administration and was immediately signed into law. What's changed in terms of the voting, the right to vote between 2006 and 2021? And then... What about updating, in order to avoid a repeat of January 6th, the 1876 elections law? And by passing those two pieces of legislation, affirming the 14th and 15th amendments to the Constitution that guarantee every citizen the right to vote, two amendments that were enacted by an earlier Republican Senate majority and three fourths of the states. And last question, what does a New York City liberal or a San Francisco liberal with a limousine at the ready know about the decrepit state of our infrastructure? To paraphrase the old joke about sex in St. Louis, I urge you to besiege your senators' offices. It's not the withholding of one's vote that leads to a more perfect union, quite the contrary. And once you've made that call, just turn off the television for a night or two and enjoy the order and the quiet around you.